It's important to, to remember that multifamily workforce housing is really a commercial asset. It's still residential apartments, but uh, when you see a headline about uh, the housing market, uh, it doesn't always apply to, uh, to our, our side of the industry with multifamily syndications. You're listening to Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures from multifamily properties, mobile homes to cryptocurrencies. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets. And finally, create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. On today's episode of the Alternative Investor Mastermind, we're going to talk about why multifamily is still the best asset class for syndications and why now is probably the best time to invest. So to give you a little background, I was a single family landlord. I got started buying single family and two family houses up in Rochester, New York. And uh, I, I quickly learned that it can be very, very difficult to, uh, to scale. So over the years, I've migrated into investing into larger multifamily syndications, and uh, I, I firmly believe it, it's, a, it's a much better investment opportunity for a majority of investors, especially accredited investors, especially if you've had some prior success, you have a, a strong income or a higher net worth. Um, it's, it's just a far superior investment for a number of reasons. So I've got a lot of questions over the past few months from, uh, from investors. I'm going to address some of them here uh, on this episode. Um, first and foremost is that multifamily is overheated and or oversaturated and there's too many people chasing deals. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact is in 2021, um, it, it was, uh, it was a bit overheated in my opinion. I mean, we had record low rates, we had inflation and, um, a lot of money, uh, you know, just, uh, flooding the market overall. But, uh, you know, the fact is there's still some, uh, systemic issues that are positive here. There's still a significant shortage of housing, especially workforce housing. And when you factor in the high construction costs, the supply chain issues, and uh, now moving forward, the higher interest rates, it, it's going to, there's going to continue to be a significant housing shortage uh, in a majority of areas. And even in areas that may have a lot of new supply, that supply is generally class A higher end apartments because it's really difficult to build affordable or workforce housing, um, you know, in this market without significant uh, government or tax incentives. You know, there's a lot of headlines about interest rates and, and what it's doing to the uh, the residential housing sector, but uh, it's important to, to remember that multifamily workforce housing is really a commercial asset. It's still residential apartments, but uh, when you see a headline about uh, the housing market, uh, it doesn't always apply to, uh, to our, our side of the industry with multifamily syndications. And uh, ultimately, I, I think that the higher interest rates in many ways are, are good for multifamily uh, good for rentals. Uh, it just makes it more and more difficult for uh, a first-time home buyer to to buy a property. Um, you know, it's uh, the mortgage uh, mortgage they would have to pay is more than double, and right now the affordability of of rent versus own is you know is is probably the it's more affordable than it's been in in uh, more. It's it's uh, the pendulum has swung more to rentals being more affordable than uh, than it has for for a long time. So. 
uh, that side of things is, uh, you know, is good for multifamily. Uh, had, had a question about the regional banking crisis and um, that that may cause uh, major problems in multifamily due to lack of lending. And uh, of all the asset classes, uh, the good thing about multifamily is there are government agencies, Fannie, Freddie, and HUD that all lend to multifamily. So there's always the government programs, and uh, that's a significant amount of the lending in the multifamily space. Um, there's also insurance companies, and there's a number of non-bank lenders that are very, very active. And those are the lenders that uh, the non-bank lenders that have been uh, typically doing bridge loans uh, over the past few years that uh, that you may have heard of. So, um, and while I mentioned bridge loans, uh, that that's definitely a, a a point of concern I've had uh, raised recently. Uh, there's been a few headlines about about foreclosures, and. Uh, you know, a, a bridge loan is is not always bad. Um, the downside of bridge loans is that the the debt was uh, generally variable rate, and uh, you know, at least in deals that we're involved in, there was a interest rate cap, meaning the rate could only go up uh, a certain amount, which was generally three percent. And uh, those deals that were variable hit that three percent over the last year as rates uh, uh, jumped up quickly. Um, the good thing though, though about bridge loans is they have a lot of flexibility. Um, the government loans I mentioned before have prepayment penalties where, uh, if you get a great offer to sell, uh, often the penalty is so significant that it just doesn't make sense to sell, uh, with a bridge loan, you can, uh, you know, sell at any time. And, uh, the other key benefit is the renovation costs can be built into the loan. So if you have two to $3 million, uh, set aside to renovate apartments that could actually be built into the loan. And then when the apartments are renovated, you could actually pull that money, uh, out, uh, as a as a reimbursement, so it means you have to raise really raise less money from investors. I've had some uh, some concerns about diversification into more than just multifamily, and there is nothing wrong with that. I, I like self storage. I like mobile home parks. Um, through our diversified fund, we've actually invested in a few student housing complexes and a ground up senior living. Uh, as well as a ground-up self-storage, um, and we've done a few light industrial deals as well. Um, many of those asset classes are are great asset classes. I like them. I will continue to invest in them as well. Uh, but multifamily is is still, um, you know, that down the fairway. More than fifty percent of uh, you know of of our funds investments are, are typically in the multifamily uh, value add space. I was recently asked, does every deal have to be heavy renovation uh, to make sense? And uh, certainly not. Um, you know, the, the multifamily, the value add is the bread and butter um, of, of our investments just because, you know, it's just so compelling when you have a 5 or 6% cap rate and you can raise rents by, you know, three to $500 a month, you know, that could work out to spending 10000 to 15000 per unit and making... Seventy to a hundred thousand uh, dollars in increased uh, value just by spending ten thousand in renovations. So that is super compelling. Uh, with that said, you know, stabilized properties and appreciating areas are great. Um, if there's a deal that has higher cash flow going in day one, um, because um, you know the it's it's stable and you could still buy it at solid cash flow and it's a really a turnkey deal that that that's great as well.
how do you avoid getting scammed? Um, yeah, that's something uh, that uh, yeah, it's a very important question, especially if you're coming from the, you know, the the highly regulated traditional financial system where there's a million and one disclosures. Um, you know, first things first is if there is a private placement memorandum um, and it was uh, generated by an attorney and they did register their exemption with the SEC, um, it, at least then it's a formal offering and you know that your operators went through the the uh the the time the energy and the money of putting together a formal offering um you know the likelihood of 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 kind of running into problems when there is a a formal offering is much lower than doing some small joint venture where you know it's a two-page agreement uh, in an llc so um you know the the private placement is is a, is a good start and then uh, obviously just checking track record and really knowing your operator. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, I got started in this a number of years ago. So uh, we're we're very uh, we have very few deals that we're invested with where we didn't know the operator personally for a period of time, or we have a close friend, investor, or connection that has um, you know prior experience with the operator. I also am a member of a number of mastermind groups, so I spent you know, over a hundred days last year in hotel rooms, traveling, have a top status with Marriott and Hyatt. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to spend a lot of time, uh, up close and personal with, uh, with some of our key operators, uh, generally a few times a year at mastermind groups or conventions. What about, uh, the fees? I, I get a lot of questions about fees and uh you know if you're following that traditional uh stock market vanguard low fee environment this is kind of uh, apples and oranges so you know in in the syndication space the you know the fees are certainly going to be higher than a vanguard fund because that's it's just a different business that's just an index fund this is more like an operating business and that's also the reason why it's more feasible to consistently earn 15 plus percent average annual returns or IRRs where the stock market on average may over over time average around 8% and also have the risk of significant drawdowns during uh you know periods where there's uh there's crashes so um the fees do vary um and the other difference on a syndication deal is that you're typically receiving a preferred return and that means that other than typical uh you know a small acquisition fee and uh, maybe a percent or two of asset management fee, the investors are paid first. It's generally between six and eight percent that those investors need to be paid before the sponsor makes anything on the back end. And a, a good deal with a good fee structure means the sponsor earns a majority of their money when the property sells on the back end. They only receive a percentage of the profits while the investor is being protected because they receive a preferred return. So they get paid on their money paid quarterly every quarter while the property's in process. And then at the very end of the deal and only at the end does the sponsor really get their payday. I've received some concerns about not having liquidity. And uh, look, that's one of the things that is different about this industry. And it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's why we'll tell investors, don't put your last $50,000 into, into one of our deals. Uh, that's why these deals are typically, uh, 
open to only accredited investors. So those with a million dollar net worth or that make uh, 200,000 a year or if married 300,000 per year. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, it's one of the prices you pay for being in, in deals that have superior returns and superior tax benefits. Um, you know, with that said, there are some benefits of, of being, being locked up. Uh, I don't know how many of you have panicked when, uh, when the stock market crashed, how many of you sold in 2020 when the market was down and didn't buy back in, you know, it is really difficult to time the market. So, uh, being in a syndicate, being in a, in a deal where, uh, there is a, an experienced general partner where you have a solid business plan over, you know, two to seven years and, uh, you know, where, what, where the structure of the deal, um, you know, has some flexibility, but really is set up to have a professional manager, uh, work in the best interests of the investors to, uh, make the best overall return. I want to share a recent, um, success story here and, uh, you know, given the timing, it, it's something we're really, really excited about. Um, our JCAM Fund One had made an investment um, about a year and a half ago into a uh, property in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, it was about 160 units, and it was a little unique because it was a uh, still a condo. However, a bulk of the units were all owned by one group, and um, we um, uh, participated in a syndicate and bought a majority of those units. And uh, did some renovation, uh, raised rents, and uh, just successfully sold the property. So we made a 1.69 equity multiple. So that means on 100,000 invested, we for every 100,000 invested, we got uh, 169,000 back. We got our original 100,000 in principle and made a $69,000 profit. Uh, that worked out to a 22% IRR. So that loosely correlates to a 22% annual return, but you know, to do IRR properly, you just need to throw it into Excel. Um, but, uh, you know, what's, what's compelling there is that sold at an environment where the interest rates are towards the highest they've been. So it does prove the concept that even though rates are higher, if you execute on the business plan, if you renovate units, if you, raise rents where you're expecting to after a renovation, the projects will still be successful. So congratulations to our team and our investors on that deal. A uh, quick uh, personal note, I just, uh, uh, as I record this, I just got back from uh, uh, Cabo San Lucas. I went out for a uh, real estate mastermind event. There was uh, about 30 investors, maybe 40 there. And uh, this was a more exclusive group. And, uh, it was, it was an amazing few days. Uh, I just got to really, um, get to know, um, number of great investors there, uh, talked about our, our current projects, our, our successes, our challenges. And there were a number of, of great guest speakers there. Um, and I learned a lot about, uh, YouTube and Instagram and, uh, uh, really how to, how to streamline our, our marketing, our message to get it out to more people. Um, real estate, uh, to some extent is the easy part, uh, talking into the camera and onto this microphone, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, gives me more stress than, uh, than any real estate deal, uh, uh, ever has. But, uh, um, I am glad that, uh, you know, for the most part, I've gotten some pretty positive comments about the podcast and we're going to, we're going to keep doing it and we're going to keep, uh, um, answering questions and addressing, uh, topics people are interested in and, and concerns people have. So, um, 
please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we're on all social media. So send us a message on LinkedIn, send us an email, uh, reply to one of our emails if you're on the newsletter and, um, you know, tell us what you're, what you're thinking about, what you want to hear about, learn about. And, uh, you know, if there's anything we can, uh, help you out with on the investment side, we're always happy to have that conversation. And, uh, whatever platform you're listening on, please do like and comment. It, it helps the algorithm. So uh, if you're on iTunes, please leave us a, uh, a review. Uh, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, same on Spotify. And um, that's it for this episode. Uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. That's all for this episode of Alternative Investor Mastermind. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra-connected and ultra-wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.